0: The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorn all the way up to the lands of always winter, as far west as west can go, and all the way east to the shadow, this is Casterly Talk. I'm We are still going here. Oh, you thought the show ended? After Game of Thrones did? Absolutely not. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to look back at. A lot to enjoy and celebrate still with the HBO series, Game of Thrones. And of course, there's the book series, Song of Ice and Fire, and what I affectionately call The World of Ice and Fire. There's a lot of things still to discuss, still to look forward to. Don't forget, we got that prequel series. And I'm excited today to be talking about Game of Thrones with someone who, well, I I met him via... The power of podcasting when he used to call in regularly to the Daily Thrones podcast here in this very same feed. We just changed the name and slapped up some new paint in the building. Uh, now it's Casterly Talk, and now he's part of the team. You might have uh, heard his segments and will continue to hear his segments called Ruminations from the Realm. Uh, this is affectionately known as Sir Thomas Sattal, but please welcome Thomas Risling to Casterly Talk.
1: What's up, Thomas? Hey, Ken, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be on Castle Talk Proper talking Game of Thrones. Yeah, this is
0: it, man. We're doing this live to tape recording. You're all the way up in uh, the Great White North. You truly are north of the wall. I am the lands of always winter. <laughs> Good stuff up there. And, you know, you, uh, you have a very thoughtful approach to Game of Thrones, which is why uh, you caught my eye. And there's a lot of uh, regular callers back in the Daily thrones day who I I love hearing from and we're going to hear them on the show here, but I I could kind of connected with your view because it's very, very, uh, very purposeful, very thoughtful, very deliberate. You take your time. You come up with some great stuff and some great insights. Uh, Are you like that in life or just Game of Thrones?
1: I think that's life in general for me. I think it's part of why I took that into Game of Thrones. It's kind of how I process most things that come at me, regardless of what it is. Mm. Um, and Game of Thrones just gave us so much depth that <laughs> mm. that kind of feeds my my want to dive into that. And at a time, it came at a very specific time in my life where I mm. needed something gotcha. to lean back and take slowly. Mm. Mm. And when it when it found me. It was um, uh, uh, so. I guess I'll dive right into it, Ken. I, it, it found me during a brain, inju- uh, brain injury. Brain basically. injury. So you didn't you didn't
0: trip and fall. You got something serious going on.
1: I did. Yeah, I was um, I was sitting, wait for light to change, and uh, someone rear-ended me doing it about seventy kilometers an hour. Ooh. Um, so from that, you know, it was a rough two years. And during that two years, I had issues with memory, and I had issues with uh, speech, uh, balance. Mm. Things like that. And I I found myself needing something to um, tap out into. I needed a fantasy that was so immersive that it could actually take me away from life for a few minutes. Right. And so when I found it, it was uh, 2014, I think. I borrowed the first three seasons from a friend of mine who had been just raving about it nonstop. Mm. And Mm. I watched all three, I think, in a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was, you know, I was not legally allowed to work. I couldn't drive sure. my car. I couldn't go anywhere. Sure. So having all of this time, it not only enabled me to watch it once, but then re-watch it as I was waiting for the fourth season to become available. Then the real love came, the books came, mm. the story material came, the the tales of Duncan Egg, the maps, anything that that could immerse me further, I jumped onto. And again, that comes back to the idea of of. I am a very slow to process person. Mm. The finale of Game of Thrones, I feel as though I'm just processing it now. I just rewatched it actually this morning. Okay. Felt some new emotions. Mm. So sorry, that was a very long winded answer. No. Yeah. I do take a long time to think about things. (laughs) No, no. And and I love
0: it because this is a show, I think, uh, uh, with a lot of, you know, big, big properties out there. uh, Even my beloved Star Wars, you can kind of take it on screen and enjoy it for what it is and, and move on if you want. I think there's a lot of things to stop and look into with Star Wars and Marvel, any of the big things. Absolutely. But Game of Thrones, I think you're rewarded for taking your time and digging in a little bit. And in this era of gut reactions and things that, you know, everyone needing your rating right away. Uh, I can see where sometimes the hubbub uh, is louder than uh, the thoughtful things that come later. So I love your approach to it. Uh, I, uh, love, uh, I love that, um, you know, I love that you, you have a lot of great insight, probably because you, you take, you take your time to it. So let, let's go right to this finale. Um, I, I, basically, you know, what, what, uh, what are your, what are these new thoughts? I'm excited about that.
1: Oh, so the biggest thought that I have going right now is the, The thought that Danny being the last Targaryen, one of the things that Maester Aemon tells John at the Wall Mm -hmm. is that it's a shame to see a Targaryen alone in the world, and I'm I'm paraphrasing that. Mm -hmm. Now, the Targaryen alone in the world Mm. is John, the man he said those words to. It's a very small thing, but it's one thing that Mm -hmm. I'm very attached to, and I'm not sure totally how that kind of rumination a cheap plug (laughs) will come around and, and, and kind of build itself. But these are how these ruminations and these deep thoughts start for me. It's one odd connective tissue that drives me forward to find what's the purpose. What's the meaning? Why did this matter?
0: Mm. Hmm keep going man keep going so, uh yeah we're we're recording this over Skype across the, the across the great lands so that's why you hear you hearing these pauses we're trying to communicate here folks uh i, w- I want you to keep going man and, and see uh, let me know Eamon's words said to john which uh, all the way back in what season 2 1 2 can uh, remember season 2 yeah, season 2 yeah.
1: so john leaves it's this kind of falls in i was i had this thought as we're getting the final shot of mm-hmm. this this conclusion to this wonderful series yeah. is a a perfect mirrored reflection of the first shot from the pilot, right? And and the the weird symmetry in John being the last Targaryen being sent north to never after he's already committed these vows once and then had a whole nother life, he's now going back. No children, no lands. That suits him as a person, sure. But the the odd symmetry in the fact that John is now the sole Targaryen heading north to never continue that line. Right. We now know the line dies with John. Right. Previously, we thought it died with Danny. Right.
0: I like that. I like that. I haven't really thought of it as it as it relates to John. Mostly, you know, HBO puts the Aemon's words over that little package as we lead up to uh, Danny's big turn. Um, but yeah, that, that it now has, there's a lot of things that have weight
1: and relevance to John himself, Aegon himself, I guess. True. And it's one of the things Aegon, you know, the name, um, I think the reveal mattered more than the name did. And that's a very interesting thing for me because I always thought, you know, if he is named John Mm -hmm. and they, they changed that to Aegon, how does the world perceive that? Right and and it's very odd you know i wondered for aria in the last moments and i was watching this with my fiance i wondered for aria in the last moments if she had a hard time when she calls him john in their last scene together how weird does that feel calling someone that you've grown with as your brother mm-hmm. they're now not and they're part of such a, a a troubled dynasty i mean it's very rare in the world of a song of ice and fire that anybody speaks of the Targaryens with an overly positive tone, right? It's fire and blood and destruction, and that's the opposite of Jon. Everything about Jon is is the opposite of fire and blood, right? That's an excellent point
0: too. I want to jump into a little bit of that there, uh, specifically like with Danny's turn and everything. Uh, the, the Targaryens uh, they, without a doubt, drove the last 300 years of this world's history because of the conquest and what's going on. And and there was good times and there was bad times, but Targaryens were always fighting, always uh, civil wars, always burning things down, dragon fire, all these things. Um, Looking back, it it, it was weird now to me to think that... I, I I guess it's not weird to think that Danny was going to change that because she wanted to change that, but there's a lot of history that was pointing to she never was. Uh, where are you at with Danny right now at the end of the show?
1: Um, I think it can be summed up shortly, but of course I'll dive into it a little bit more. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm, yeah, and and Danny's uh, road to hell was certainly paved with good intentions. Absolutely. And as you said, you know, she wanted to break the wheel, but the moment she arrived in Westeros, she almost just furthered the wheel and became another spoke on it. And the unfortunate side of this is that Danny doesn't see her mistakes because Cersei, you know, in in the last episode, she says that Cersei uses her weakness against her. She uses the good people of King's Landing, and that's her justification for doing what she does. Right. That is the point of view of a person whose point of view is so crooked it does not reflect reality she can't yeah, she can't see yeah she lost she lost
0: the plot she absolutely lost the plot and 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 to me not in just that moment it it has been building
1: as she absolutely. slowly loses people along the way absolutely and i think for me the biggest moments of that were the death of Barristan and the death of jorah yeah and then missandei and and for me i know you're a huge sir jorah guy ken and i am as well yeah that loss i think was the, the straw that broke the camel's back We've all seen Jorah caution Danny against some of her worst impulses throughout these seasons and time and time again. Yeah. Yeah, excluding the seasons where he's away from her. And, you know, during that time, other people step up. But by the time she arrives in King's Landing, those other people are gone as well. Mm-hmm. And and Danny is a leader who needs her advisors. And unfortunately, the only two that she's left with are Tyrion, mm-hmm. who is is very seriously doubting his queen and Grey Worm. Has gone the full other end of the spectrum In the last two episodes
0: Yeah absolutely with, with, with I think a lot of good Reason too the way they depicted the the North's uh, you know lack of acceptance And and everything of, of Grey Worm and Missandei, They I think I thought they re- Did a really good job of that so I, I look At Grey Worm at the end and go yeah no I'm, I'm, right, I'm right There with you I understand and now You're alone um, it just was uh, You know it's, it's the realities of Game of Thrones man it's just real shades Of grey we love
1: yeah and it's the Shades of grey that that reflect our own reality. I think part of the reason go, to go back to why I I find this such a, a slow burn process for me to think about is because I think to make accurate, not accurate, but correct choices that we can live with in our lives, we have to think about them. Right. We have to take them in emotionally and mentally and, and assess them however we can. And whether you're quick or sh- or slow at that, that's okay. But in in the world of Game of Thrones, you don't really get that chance. They still have all the shades of gray, but these characters are left to make impulse decisions quickly. You have very little time. Travel takes a very long period of time. So to get somewhere in time for something, you have to jump the gun. Right. Yeah, it's true. You can't turn around. You got to go. You got to get up there. And you have to go without any hesitation, without any sort of of willingness to turn around halfway. Mm -hmm.
0: Where where are you right now with season eight as a whole? You've got you've watched the uh, conclusion, the finale. You got some uh, new insights, a new Uh, emotions, which I think a lot of people, if you take the time, you will find different points of view and looking at different things. Or maybe just the pressure of the moments removed as a fan. The pressure that you put on the show and you put on yourself as a fan in watching these Big, big, epic movies and moments on TV shows and every and the and the movies we love. I think with a little time you can look back and go, oh, okay, I, 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 this isn't the end of the world for me. I can I can appreciate the story a little bit more with a little bit of time. I haven't done a, a season eight rewatch yet, even though we watch uh, you know watch the one or two uh, uh, watch the episodes one or two times before we go to air. Uh, where yes. are you at right now with season
1: eight? So personally, you know, I, I think any any finale is going to have any is always going to have one thing that that you can find to be upset with but for me you know despite the hubbub i actually really enjoyed the whole final season right and i i found i found some solace in the fact that the end was not a final end if game of thrones for me personally had ended in a way where every answer was definitively given to us it would not be in line with the writing that george r r martin has put into his books right Right? There's this idea of of ambiguity and and the want to push forward as a reader and mm-hmm. find things within the text you've already blown over, right? And in the show, we're finding that same thing now. Even going back to season eight, there's so many things that that are ignored because we're all worried about you know who's going to perish. We've been waiting for this for a year and a half. Who's going to go? How is this going to play out? How is the night king going to be defeated? Cersei, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when you go back, I'm finding small character moments tucked into this season that I didn't even recognize in the first watch through or even the second watch through preparing notes and whatnot. Right. Right. What are are some of your big revelations from that then? So my my, I think my biggest revelation from this last season is the idea that uh, Arya chose life. And I think that Mm -hmm. although that's very surface level, you can actually find those hints as we go back now until about the end of season six. Right. You can find the hints that she's continually choosing life. And in the eighth season, that's brought to a very, very, very uh, prevalent head where we see, you know, she lays with uh, Gendry. Mm. There's the whole uh, uh, choice of her leaving to pursue something else other than the life she's known. That's a choice for life. There's there's almost an endless amount of Arya's dialogue Mm -hmm. that would even in this last season that would lead you to believe she doesn't buy the version of herself that she's built over the last couple of years. Uh, yes, yeah. she trained. Yes, she gained the the martial abilities that she gained and the ability to um, change faces and whatnot. But I don't think she ever adopted the mindset of the House of Black and White, which eventually allowed her to come back to herself and ignore all of the the thought of death and the teaching of death and the reliance on death mm. to rely on life and allow her life to proceed forward instead of making her life's mission to kill a list of people and then essentially be done and have no purpose.
0: Yeah. Big stuff with Yeah. And it comes down to that wonderful moment with her in the home, but yeah, looking back now, even as you're talking and just thinking of the little moments along the way where, yeah, I think, I think at one point she probably, uh, wanted to do this faceless man house of black and white training course she was in and probably thought it, but I think it was, you know, having to put aside needle or those kind of things, um, it was never going to be her. And I still think Jagan Hagar or
1: whoever that was, uh, always knew that. Always knew that. He did too. I think that's why he gives that little grin at the end. Yeah. You know, I think there's, there's that he's acknowledging her for who she is and the fact that she'll never leave behind who she is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, this is someone Jag and Hagar or, or or whoever, I, I still choose to believe it's the same person with that name. Um, uh, he meets her on on the show, of course, because uh, she saves him, and then that's in the, that part's similar in the books as well. But like, she, yeah, you're right there. She, she's she's uh, not about destruction and death and murder even at that point. It's in her in her blood, and he probably picked that out.
1: Yeah, very much so, and I, I think that that is part of the reason why we all have you know, despite what you thought about the house and black house of black and white storyline, right. Aria as a character, I think, will always be one of the fans favorites just because there's so much to relate there with a person who, you know, has goals, Mm -hmm. changes those goals, fails at some of them and then comes back to find themselves as a person. That's, you know, for me, I think for a lot of us, that's that's part of life. Right. Oh, yeah. Failing at our goals and then being able to get up, dust ourselves off and move forward or even try again. And and try a different path or, or try a different way or turn back from something
0: that uh, we once wanted that we realized might destroy us uh, or not be our thing there. And I think yeah, especially season eight with conclusions and storylines being wrapped up with a lot of these characters, you still might not like how. I know a lot of people listening probably don't like a lot of 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 uh, how it happened or, or, or the final moments of these characters. I, I just still... Uh, I urge everyone to go back and and look at the lessons and 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 what it all means. What it means for for Jamie to go back to Cersei. You might not have liked that, uh, but he did that. And what does that mean? And, and, and I, I I see too much, and I don't know if I'm wrong here, Thomas. Uh, too too much of of our viewing of Game of Thrones is just kind of these this checklist of things we want to have happen. And that's with a lot of things we're seeing, especially in Star Wars too. Um, And I think you'll be rewarded if you go back and just kind of see what the story is telling you,
1: yes, and even in this eighth season, you know a lot of people, even if you didn't enjoy it, dive back into it and go go at it with the same fervor that you looked through the previous seven seasons. Mm-hmm. even if you know your your overall opinion doesn't change, you you will find things that you can relate to or enjoy or even just find mildly intriguing. There is so many things in the eighth season that that got lost in the amazing folds of battles and political intrigue and characters journeys wrapping up yeah i think for for many watch throughs now i'm gonna be i think season eight will be the season that i continue to pull stuff for for the longest
0: absolutely i i, I am uh not just trying to be you know i know i have a reputation of being super positive but when people ask me what what do you think about season eight i'm like i love it and, con- and continue to think about it a lot uh, and can't wait to uh, catch my breath a little bit and, and go back and, and watch all of it. Probably gonna do an entire rewatch on the down low, and maybe we'll talk about it here in Casterly Talk. Um, but try to kind of re see things, uh, see it again for the first time, as we always say on the Star Wars side. What are some of your favorite uh, conclusions to some of these character stories in season eight?
1: I think uh, one of my favorites is Sam's. I think Sam Sam becoming Grand Maester is such a. Um, a fitting turn. And, right. and the whole show, I've just wanted Sam to be happy. Right. I've, I've just wanted him to find something that allowed him to live the life he wanted to live without everybody making fun of him and putting him down all the time. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm sad we didn't get to see Gilly at the end there. I'm assuming she's off living with the family or maybe even is at right. court with him. But I love the idea of Sam being Grand Maester because somebody's so progressive. And we see this at the end when they're trying to pick the king and he suggests democracy and they all laugh him off. Yeah. Sam is so progressive that if you're going to have somebody who's going to push things forward, it almost has to be him. Right. I don't know who else could have, you know unless they chose a nameless maester who had a list of things that uh, uh, Sam had not accomplished. Right. But something so beautiful in that, and also Tyrion, the the mm-hmm. full circle of Tyrion having left. You know, he we see him organizing the chairs, and that's that nice little. Uh, call back to him and Cersei fighting over chairs and you know <laughs> yes. the, him putting things back into order. I always that that yep. him putting the chairs back is just him creating some semblance of order for himself. Absolutely, and him being the person who has to serve his sentence as hand of the king is so beautifully poetic <laughs> that I think if I had to pick one favorite wrap up from from last season, that's probably it.
0: That's I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Your your punishment is you got to run this damn place. Um, yep. I still, and I still think a lot of that. I, I'm still curious. We'll finally learn one day. I'm, I, I'm still curious to see if the brand is king comes from Georgia's uh, uh, Georgia's uh, storyline. I, I I tend to think so. Only just, I think the bigger beats do come from him and everything else they work towards. They uh, try to work towards that in their own way on the show. Um, uh, I I you know one of the ones I loved, uh, and I think about it a lot because it's kind of just gothic and poetic and, and, and bittersweet and haunting is, is Melisandre. Um, yes, I, I for her to come back for this one episode and Chris Van Houten just brings it home, uh, and just all the mystery and, and re- intrigue the red woman brings and just to die in that way. And that this is her part in the story. Um, I, I, I'm interested to go back and just kind of watch her story because it has ups and downs and mistakes and she's super powerful. She's not powerful. I, I really love what they did with that character.
1: I agree. And it, that's that wonderful ambiguity that George kind of imparted on the series, right? Is the, we, we know so much about Melisandra and we learn so much and her ending is perfectly beautiful, but there's a thousand questions you could ask about her, even though she's gone. Absolutely. Yeah, that is the epitome of why I love Game of Thrones right there.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't want all the answers there here Uh, as we wrap up this first half and then we're gonna take a break. And Thomas and I are going to answer some uh, calls from you uh, here on the voice message uh, part of uh, Anchor. Uh, You can reach out on the Anchor app or to uh, the uh, Anchor website uh, to casually talk. But. Uh, one final thing here, one big, and we're gonna—I think we're gonna do a lot of talking about this going forward here on uh, this program, uh, and that is uh, Azor Ahai. This th- thought of uh, John, uh, the prince was promised, all these things. I still contend the show was never planning to dive into it, despite us wanting to, uh, us book readers. Uh, um, but I really, really believe they kind of answered some of the questions uh, in the finale or at least the final season. Uh, what do you think? Where are your thoughts on that now, particularly
1: as, as it is uh, is with John? I think uh, uh, the world of Ice and Fire has always set up every prophecy as kind of being seen through the eyes of whoever is telling it. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we actually, you know, although they didn't uh, latch onto the Azor Ahai prophecy too hard in the entirety of the show – I actually think we saw that come to a conclusion. I think the dawn was a figurative, and the dawn is yeah. a new age, a new a, the dawn of a new age for Westeros and the people that live
0: there. Yeah, I, I agree with there. Uh, I, I I agree with you on that. I I think even though it wasn't in detail, I think we absolutely got the answer. And I rarely dive into Reddit, but we talked about it a little bit last week uh, when I was by myself. Just that. Um, uh, the prophecy of uh, it, it, it takes three chances for Zorahai to finally stick his sword into Nisa Nisa. Um, so I think we saw that. <laughs> I think that's the answer. And I see a lot of, uh, well, none of that mattered with John. I think everything was answered there in that moment, just maybe not in perfect detail.
1: I agree, and I think not quite in the uh, fantastical way that a lot of book readers may have been expecting. You know, right. we've all become so uh, hooked on the Azor High prophecy and the levels of fantasy that it brings with it from the books. Yeah. And I, that's also just not the um, the tone that the show has taken. They've yeah. definitely leaned into the fantasy in later seasons, but it's always been a uh, high-intrigue, low-fantasy setting. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, on the other side of this break, Thomas and I are going to take some calls that you guys have, some thought starters, some questions, talk a little bit about uh, Casterly Talk uh, going forward and some of the stuff Thomas is working on uh, that you'll be hearing here and uh, some of his own stuff. So stick around here on Casterly Talk. And we're back here on Casterly Talk, part two, the second half. I'm here with Thomas Risling, a.k.a. Sir Thomas the Tall, uh, only because that was your username, Thomas, when you used to call in on Daily Thrones every day. Uh, you
1: know, that's a great name. I can't get rid of that. I, I love it. I'm, I have a mild obsession with uh, Sir Duncan the Tall as well, so that is obviously where that comes from. And, and you, you're tall yourself, right? I am, yeah. I'm like 6'3", something like that.
0: That's pretty. That's taller than me. That counts. That counts. That (laughs) counts. Uh, So, Thomas, uh, as we used to do on Daily Thrones, uh, where I became familiar with your thoughts and your ruminations, we like taking calls... Uh, through the Anchor app. you uh, If you have the app, you can go to the favorite, the podcast, and then leave a message. You have about 59 seconds, I always say, uh, to get it done. Uh, and then also, you can uh, uh, do so on the, uh, like, Anchor.fm, uh, the, the website, find Casterly Talk there. And there's a link, I'll put it out there on the Facebook page um, if you want to call. And all throughout, uh, we're not done talking about. It. There's so much to even look back on the show, but the world itself, I'm, I'm a fan of that, and, and Thomas clearly you are too you're like me you just study
1: maps every now and then absolutely i I get bored occasionally and emma will come home from work and my entire kitchen table is covered in game of thrones maps and she'll just shake her head
0: (laughs) i love it that's what i do too um so we're gonna take some calls we got the this one is a friend of ours and uh, you're gonna hear his voice often in these calls here on uh uh, casually talk he's got some great knowledge it's our friend eric monroe so thomas let's hear what he's got to say
2: Hey, Ken Cashley talks. So I love the question you put out. um, What are we most looking forward to in the upcoming books? And there's a lot of things. I'm definitely curious what the books end up doing with Stoneheart, but the thing I am definitely the most looking forward to is what happens to Stannis Baratheon. And I agree with what you said, Ken. I do think the sacrifice of Shireen will happen, but what intrigues me about the whole thing is if he does give the okay for it to happen, that kind of tells me he, he might live longer in the books than he did on the show because Shireen isn't with him on the this long, long march to Winterfell. In fact, Melisandre Celeste are not with him either. Davos isn't even with him. Sir Davos, he's off on his own mission. And also, take it, I take into consideration the fact that Stannis has two prisoners, Asha Greyjoy and Theon Greyjoy, two characters he never encountered on the show. That's fascinating to me. And how does Jon Snow's death maybe factor into all this? So definitely what is, happens with Stannis.
0: All right, Thomas there. You know, me and Eric, we're always talking about that damn Stannis and We love Stannis Amanis here. Um, So a couple thoughts here. Stannis in book versus show, where do you think that might go? And then I want to hear from you, Thomas, what you're looking forward to uh, in the books going forward. And and as I always like to say, if you're listening and you haven't read the books, I understand this might be spoilers if you're still planning on it. You can duck out. I uh, understand, but hope you stick around. Uh, Thomas, uh, what do you think?
1: So I'm I'm of the same mind of Eric. I, I have this intrigue in the back of my mind. I wonder if Stannis is going to be around a lot longer in the books. Um, his his death at the hands of Brienne in the show was very unceremonious to me. It was great and and very very understandable and meaningful, but uh, unceremonious to me to say the least. Mm-hmm. And in the books, I would hope, like Eric said, you know, there's all these current threads. Shireen and Davos aren't with him. Asha and Theon are as prisoners. How do we get how do we get past that? There's a lot of story to tell with Stannis that that could carry him, in my mind, almost to the end of the story in general. Unless I agree, I think the the sacrifice of Shireen will still happen, mm-hmm. but it I think it'll be under much different circumstances. I, I feel like that won't be the you know, it's, it's hard to figure out how someone sacrificing their daughter won't be a horrible thing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, There's part of me that feels like it won't quite be the same weight. I don't think we'll feel it the same way. Um, and I think yeah. it may drive Davos from him. Mm. And, yeah. and as far as Asha and Theon, I really can't predict where I see that ending up. I, I have a hard time believing that um, Theon in the books is going to meet a very good end, and right. I think his end will be very similar, but I think it's actually going to come a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see a bit of a reverse here. I think Theon and Asha – well, Asha. Mm-hmm. That aside. Theon may live a bit further, mm-hmm. but I – i or sorry, Theon may die a bit sooner, but Stannis is likely going to live a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. i, I It's so hard, and this is – gosh, when you get start getting into it and how the story just – an already thick story gets so much wider and larger and sprawling as George keeps writing, uh, which which I love. And that's why I love the books. I, I absolutely can, – you can follow all the threads pretty well. Um, but I understand it it doesn't translate to TV, so I I don't know where, you know, with uh, Yara, as we know her on the show, uh, Asha and and Theon, like that, you forget that. Forget that Sansa isn't even there. So her and Theon don't even form that connection. The Iron Bank has some interest in Stannis. I I think the Battle of the Bastards will happen as as we see it on the show, but uh, how uh, far does Stannis go into that, and uh, will uh, his end be at the hand of Brienne? Hard to say. Hard to say. All right. So, uh, any other book moments that you're looking forward to as well?
1: Um, you know, anything with Stannis usually comes with something patch face related. And for me, that's kind of, that's, that's what I live for in the books. So, We'll patch see. face <laughs> yeah very hard to say. i'm hoping for something something with patch face let's let's find some conclusion in some of these prophetic riddles and stuff well like
0: that's that. yeah you know uh, patch face for those who are who are show only man this is a, a fool uh, in stannis's court that has these little song little jingles little little riddles and
1: each one is pretty much each one is dripping with prophecy absolutely and the the song that uh, you know show watchers will be familiar with that shireen sings the uh under yeah. the under the sea, the fish have fish have wings. Yeah, that song. That is that is one of Patchface's prophetic riddles, and and they're all just as haunting and just as creepy. And every time I open a book, I'm hoping for a little something about Patchface in every Stannis chapter. <laughs> absolutely,
0: absolutely, which uh, speaks to the, uh, the the breath of story in those books. All right, we got a, a question here from the Couch Thoughts podcast. I do believe that is our friend Rocky.
1: Hey, Ken and crew, Rocky here. I just wanted to talk about, uh, I'll call it a tale of two Georges. That would be George Lucas and George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, so I see a lot of similarities, um, sadly, between the two fandoms right now, Star Wars and, and Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, the Disney-era Star Wars, people say, oh, well, George Lucas isn't involved, so it can't be real Star Wars. And then that's kind of a complaint that's similar to uh, the last few seasons of the show there, is that, you know, George R.R. R. Martin uh, left his... Uh, advisory role in the show so it can't be real game of thrones uh you know i I just find it kind of funny because especially with the george lucas example uh you know people didn't like the prequels and that was all george lucas um so you know what if people uh don't like the books uh the the last two books what will they complain about then uh just wanted to get your perspective on that
0: thanks Uh, thanks rocky you can check out rocky the couch thoughts podcast uh look for that Uh, he's also got a youtube channel Tom, this is interesting. Yeah, sometimes we look back uh, and and people uh, seem to forget criticisms or things. uh, You know, the prequels, which I'm a fan of, uh, has a different vibe than it it did back in the day. Uh, And George is praised, rightfully, but praised as if uh, there wasn't this uh, hatred for what he had done before. Same with George. Uh, You know, I didn't read the books in real time, but I know people who did. and, and, And Feast for Crows, book four, wasn't. Tremendously well received. Uh, so George is not without some criticisms himself. Uh, what do you think about
1: all this? I think uh, it, it's kind of the low hanging fruit. If, yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think I think going after the the writers and saying that you know well, George either George isn't involved anymore and it's that's got to be the reason. I think that's the low hanging fruit. And again, you know, it's an interesting comparison because it is very different when they came around with the prequels. And, you know, George was fully involved in that and everyone didn't like that as well. And now we see George R.R. R. Martin, who's taken a step back and now everyone's saying they don't like it. So for me to take the low hanging fruit and say that the every issue is simply because George R. R. Martin was not involved in the writing of every script. Uh, I think I actually think that's a little bit lazy. I think that anybody who watches this show, if you follow this show for this long, you are intelligent and thoughtful and you can come up with a reason why you didn't like a scene other than the fact that George wasn't involved.
0: I agree with that, and I and that is uh, sometimes you know might be a shot across the bow in uh, this age of internet uh, discussion. But yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I'll have good all discussion with my friends who are big fans of the show. Who you know, uh, and I'm not even just talking here in Castle. They really talk just off air stuff about uh yeah they're they're intelligent, thoughtful fans, and they can tell me why they didn't like parts of season eight. And and it's not about a debate with them. It's just like yeah, you're absolutely right. There's some some stuff there uh, that that I can get behind. But yes, I hear. Uh, I get upset. I get grumpy. Well, once the show left the books because in my mind it it left the books almost from the beginning and uh by season two we're in brave new territory and they already were changing things and that was that's some of the most heralded stuff too so absolutely you know it's not that's not the answer
1: oh and i think saying that it's not like the real game of thrones right i find that really interesting too i mean george is the one who said here sure adapt my property i trust you yeah right So, I mean, if, if you if you like the real Game of Thrones and the author and you trust him to produce the books, then trust his judgment as well with the show. That would be the way I'd say it.
0: I love that. Love that, I love that and Rocky, great question, great thought starter. by the way. I don't even this is, of course what Rocky's saying. He's just uh, uh, having his comment on this uh, phenomenon here, uh, which comes up just more and more and more uh, in the last couple seasons uh, if, if, if you don't like something, which is is by the way fine. you could look at something and go, "I don't like that on Game of Thrones, but the answer is not. Well, that's because George just wasn't there. Not, exactly. Not the answer. Not the answer. All right. Final one here from, uh, oh, our good friend Zach. He's up there. Uh, he's up there in the True North, too, up in Wisconsin. Hey, Ken, uh, and the rest of Cashley Talk. Uh, Zach here. Uh, so, my question for you is, it kind of has to do with uh, Aria. Uh, when it comes to the end of the series i see a lot of people complaining about how you know she didn't change faces or anything and i feel like a lot of people kind of missed the point of aria's whole storyline with that whole thing i feel like she gained her assassin skills and used that and then at the end you know she goes back and reclaims her identity but uh i don't know let me know your thoughts uh bye there's Zach. Great call, Zach. By the way, Zach was real worried because, you know, you get 59 seconds, Thomas. You got to get in. You got to be clear and concise. And I remember he he, he wrote me on Discord, which you can uh, access through the Ken Napsack Patreon page. And uh, he was like, uh, yeah, I think I I think I didn't do a good job. And I, Zach, you did a great job. Right, Thomas?
1: He's job. Absolutely. And, and you know, I used to be a little guilty of this every now and again. If you got a thought that's a little bit too long, you can always do two parts.
0: That's right. Two parts or, or do it again. Uh, uh, this call, this kind of takes us back to what you were talking about earlier with Arya um, and, and kind of the whole purpose and point of, of her journey, which I thought is, is perhaps one of the more complete stories in Game of Thrones. Uh, gets us, uh, we get we get an answer. Uh, West of West, to me, is a great answer. So um, what do you think about what, what Zach's saying here? Kind of echoes what you were saying.
1: Yeah, it does. And and you know, I think I think just to to cover something that I didn't I don't think I covered when we were talking about it previously. Yeah. There's the idea of, you know, Arya goes to the House of Black and White to essentially be and you know, this depends on how you look at it, but to essentially be manipulated mm-hmm. and and have herself removed from her personality. Right. She would essentially at that point become a killing machine, a terminator like the Waif. Right. Instead, we see Arya learn that that her personality and her identity is more important, and she actually manipulates the House of Black and White to gain these skills and the abilities that she wants to, to go home and continue being Arya Stark. Arya was never no one. Right. Right. And that's, that's where I stand.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Zach Rocky uh eric great calls and seriously uh, thomas you you are uh you're a veteran of these calls if you're looking to get a call in uh what 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 are the tips and advice did you ever prepare prepare anything i want people to feel comfortable when they call in
1: yeah every now and again you know i'd grab a post-it note was my rule grab a post-it note make a couple of bullet points that way you don't forget anything that you find really important or maybe specific beats of the theory or idea that's that's running in your head Mm-hmm. Um and that's pretty much all I would do it's okay also if you're not comfortable with it just re-record it there's that option to cancel and redo before you send
0: absolutely uh absolutely great calls uh thomas as we start to close here looking ahead here in casterly talk like i keep saying we're still going uh show will be uh weekly most saturdays uh you know if i have to travel and i skip a week that's that's uh what will happen andreas lawn and rachel will be back in studio thomas will be on the phone and the ruminations uh of the realm uh from sorry ruminations from the realm um Uh, Oh, no ways. Of the Whelm. Why am I getting it so wrong? (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Man, it's been a long life. Uh, The ruminations will continue, uh, and we're also working on some uh, stuff, Thomas, that uh, have a little bit more... We're going into some of the histories uh, of the world of Ice and Fire and talking about those there. What are some of the
1: topics that have you excited? So I think the number one, and I did a short rumination from this after uh, Jenny's song was sung by Pod. Um, I think... We're gonna to touch first on this idea of summer hall and Jenny and Duncan and how it reflects so many things that have happened within the the 300 years after Aegon's conquest and some things even before that. Mm. We touch characters that have nothing to do with each other but are tied together from this one piece of narrative symmetry that I just can't get enough of. So that's that's the number one. And then I think there's a uh, there's another one that I want to talk about, but I'm afraid I'll spoil it if I start talking about
0: okay, it. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll get people to. Uh, Get their intrigue
1: up. Get their interest so, up. So the big, the big thing for me right now is the idea, Ken, you actually put this thought on my mind, mm-hmm. is did Robert know? Mm-hmm. Did Robert Baratheon know that Lyanna loved Rhaegar right. before he went out on his rebellion? Mm-hmm. Is that why the rebellion was started? Or was it this you know innocent man who claimed to have loved, uh, lost the love of his life? I am right. starting to really lean towards the idea that Robert knew, and there is some evidence to back that up. Oh, I love that. We'll be diving into that. Thomas
0: is working on some stuff with me. Some of them will be the short, uh, maybe ruminations segments, but some will be like this with Thomas and I on air, really uh, going through a little bit more prepared material, but also talking about the histories and diving on in there. And if you're out there listening and you uh, have an idea of something you want us to talk about or dive into, a question, something uh, part of Game of Thrones history you want uh, to know more about, or a character, let us know. Uh, Give us a a reach, uh, you know, reach out to us on Twitter. Use the hashtag cast talk. and follow me at Ken Napsock. We have a Facebook page. You can like, you can write, uh, write me there. Um, or just, uh, leave a, a voice message on anchor. That's not even, you don't have, you can say, Hey, you don't need to put this on air, but what about X, Y, and Z? And, uh, let us know as we, uh, have all, uh, all, uh, all the world of Ice and Fire to look at and get into there. So, Thomas, it's been a lot of fun having you on, uh, doing your, uh, uh, spinning your insight uh, here in the Catchfully Talk world, and to actually get to talk to you live and sort of in person. It's been fun.
1: Yeah, it's been a real blast for me, Ken. This has been, uh, you know, Daily Thrones evolved into Casterly Talk, and Daily Thrones came to me during a really difficult time in my life and helped me get through it. So to be here talking with you on the show is a really big thing for me.
0: Well, it's fun to have you here on the team, and uh, glad you're here. And uh, we'll let you get going here. But uh, tell the folks where they can find you on those social medias so they can tell you how much uh, they like your insight.
1: Of course. Thank you very much. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas Rissling and at the Ruminations podcast on Anchor or wherever podcasts are podcasted.
0: Uh, that's what, uh, yeah, I say that wherever po- <laughs> fine podcasts are podcasted. We'll yeah. We'll Rumin- Ruminations is your podcast uh, that goes into all things, not just game of Thrones and, uh, it is, uh, six deep dives there too, as well. You can follow me at Ken napsock go to Ken to get information on how to purchase my book. Why we love star Wars, the great moments of built a galaxy far, far away. Hopefully you can announce soon, uh, the audio book details on that can't quite get there, but, uh, if you like to listen to books, uh, stand by, uh, or, uh, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, or wherever find books are booked uh, and uh, pick up a copy so that is it for this week uh, for Andres, uh, Rachel, and Lons, who will be back in studio soon and for Thomas and all of you out here in the realm we appreciate it, we'll see you next time on Casterly Talk